I hope that you all had a joyful holiday and spent time reflecting and dreaming of a healthful 2022. We could all benefit from a collective manifestation for more peace and pleasure in all our lives. Today, I hope to add my little contribution for generating more health and positivity into this new year with some tools for establishing and maintaining greater wellness. And today I'm going to explain the three pillars and why Ayurveda considers each to be an integral part of our health and well-being. If you have been following along on our Ayurvedic alphabet journey, this week marks the letter I. And I stands for inputs, impacts, and immersion. to your journey on Wellness Way. My name is Kim Lewix. I'm a registered yoga instructor through Yoga Alliance and a certified Ayurvedic wellness counselor. On this podcast, we will discuss ways for enhancing our health through nutrition, fitness, aromatherapy, bodywork, daily routines, and the general connection of mind, body, and spirit. My goal is to share my past and current explorations in the systems of yoga and Ayurveda, which is the ancient traditional science of life, to create more joy, more vibrancy, sustainability, and longevity for ourselves and for our community. Please join me on Wellness Way. Ayurveda states that there are three pillars or supports that we need to build and preserve in our lives to foster our well-being for our physical, mental, and spiritual bodies. The first pillar is our inputs or the things that we bring into our bodies. The second pillar is the impact we create or how we connect through our senses. And the third pillar is our immersion, or how we immerse ourselves with rest and sleep. Now I will describe in depth how these three foundational tools, or pillars, hold us up to maintain our health and prevent disease. Pillar number one are the inputs. In Sanskrit, The inputs are called ahara, A-H-A-R-A. To feed the tissues appropriately, we need food and water and breath, of course, but the general idea of ahara is anything that we take in to nourish our body and mind. Sense information, or our perception of what is coming in, and emotions, what our mind perceives, are also things that we bring into our bodies. But let's start at the beginning. Food and water nourish our bodies. Food and water are our life fire, and they give us energy, strength, immunity, and radiance. Food, as we mentioned last week, also energizes the mind. It provides mental clarity and sharpness for our senses. It supports the soul, our spirit, 
and it does this through ritual when we prepare and receive our meal that ritual of preparation and reception of our food nourishes or supports our soul food has the three gunas remember illumination because food can be fresh light and nourishing food also has a guna of excitability can provide us with irritability can also give us anxious feelings if it's fried fermented or spicy and food is capable of giving us inertia or we can also say stability but usually tamas or inert food is in the foods that are processed right those qualities are for processed foods leftovers canned or frozen foods they don't have much value therefore they bring dullness and lifeness no life the breath which is another input is prana in yoga and ayurveda that is known as our life force because we can live weeks without food days without water but we can't live more than a few minutes without air and our senses another form of ahara or inputs is when we receive vibrations from objects and we absorb their impulses and then we analyze these impulses to make decisions the seeing hearing tasting touching smelling of the senses creates desires that we feel we need to fulfill and subsequently our minds direct our organs of action to respond and we perform or act in reaction to these impulses another input that we take in our emotions our senses are capable of taking us on a constant wave of emotions joy and sadness love anger we can feel soothed or we can feel irritated we can feel heated or cold we can have likes and dislikes attachments and things that were we withdraw from and all of this flow of energy moves outward into our environment the next pillar is impact or true actions and suiting this pillar to how i understand and can better connect with it in ayurveda and yoga there's a sanskrit word or concept called brahmacharya and it's also known as celibacy or control of sexuality and i view it as how we use our senses and manage our energy in general for me this pillar describes our lifestyle or activities it's how we use our senses to manage our energy and our emotion in our daily lives we're all affected by our senses and our reactions to what our environment puts out ayurveda suggests some guidelines for our social behavior 
and we've gone through this. This is a good review. Mentally, it's good to discriminate your actions by thinking before you react. This will avoid hurting yourself or others. Another guideline for our social behavior or the input of impact, sorry, impact or action or true actions is to neutralize your emotions. We talked about the emotions of anger, worry, greed, fear, etc. <clears throat> but when you neutralize these emotions, you keep the mind calm. And a good way to do this is to spend more time developing objectivity so you can respond in an appropriate way. For anger, impatience, and perfectionism, any connection to watery imagery will be helpful for you to neutralize those emotions. Also, a loving-kindness meditation can be found that focuses on the heart, and this would be most effective also for managing any type of emotion of anger, impatience, or desire to be perfect. For worry, nervousness, tension, and anxiety, mantra or repeating a sound pattern gives the mind a focus and it prevents the mind from moving into those habitual negative patterns that it can develop and hold on to. For greed and attachment, one should practice focusing on present moment awareness. And when you're reading, read. When you're eating, eat. When you're gardening, be with the plants. Honing our objectivity allows us to see others and ourselves as we were meant to be seen. Specifically with your family or your community, you can consider these actions. Speaking truthfully without insulting or hurting others is a big one. Forgiveness. Third is to compliment others in some genuine way. If you can do that each time you see someone or meet with someone that you spend time with, you'll see a big difference in how that creates an environment of connection there, right? And it hones that pillar of true action. Another way to hone your objectivity is to respect and honor your elders. This is, especially in our society, not nearly practiced well enough. Another way is to be kind to animals. And then finally, my tip for honing your objectivity and to see others and ourselves as we're meant to be seen is to support those that have need and guide them. Give service as you can. These guidelines will help you to have a positive impact on your health and of course the health of your community. And the third pillar that we're gonna to discuss today is immersion or sleep. And in Sanskrit, Sleep is called nidra, N-I-D-R-A. And we're going to talk about sleep 
in terms of amount, the time frame, the quality, and preparation for sleep. Sleep is the only time when our mind is at complete rest. And I've defined sleep as immersion because it really is something we go deeply into. Again, sleep is our, the only time when our mind really shuts down. Through sleep, we submerge into another realm for rest and recuperation. Sleep purifies us, and it helps us to deal with the toxins and the contaminants that we receive from our day and in terms of what we take in. So how much sleep should we have? Six to eight hours of sleep is generally the recommendation, but the amount of sleep you need to receive will vary based on your age, the season, your tendencies, and if you have any type of illness. What is the ideal time frame for sleeping? Ayurveda says sleeping by 10 p.m. and waking by at least 6 a.m. are the most auspicious times for our physical and mental well-being. And that's because Ayurveda says that between 10 p.m. and 2 a.m., the body and the mind are undergoing subtle digestion to process all the information we've received from our five senses. That time frame, 10 p.m. to 2 a.m., is known as the Pitta time. And another complementary time period for this Pitta phase of digestion is 10 a.m. until 2 p.m. And that's the reason we should be eating our largest meal at noon, because that's when the digestive fires are strongest. Let me take a quick opportunity to say that if you haven't already, please take a listen to episode number five to learn all about the doshas Pitta, Kapha, and Vata, since I refer back to them very often in these podcasts. The quality of our sleep is also important. Healthy sleep is sound sleep, and it should occur naturally. If you're aggravated, agitated, or worried, you may find yourself waking at the Vata time, which is 2 a.m. to 6 a.m. This is the period where the airy, ungrounded quality of Vata is the strongest. If you find it difficult to wake in the morning, then your Kapha is aggravated. This also occurs when one sleeps in. So kapha period is after 6 a.m. and it goes until 10 a.m. And that's when the pull of the kapha or downward energy gets stronger and stronger. And it's the reason that the longer you sleep in, the longer you sleep in. Excess sleep causes heaviness. And sometimes this happens because you're up late in the night or you have more of a heavy quality generated by a rich diet or a sedentary lifestyle. Try to avoid day sleeping, especially if you can relate to these tendencies in general. But normally a short cat nap is okay right after a meal. And of course, day sleeping is fine for those who work the night shift or for anyone who's sick, elderly, or very, very young. 
to prepare for sleep. First of all, it's wise to eat early around the time of sunset, if that's possible for you. And about an hour or so before sleeping, so around 9 p.m. if you're following the rules of Ayurveda, try to relax by taking either a bath. You can even massage your head and your feet. Those are very relaxing techniques for sleep preparation. You can drink warm tea or milk. Nut milks are good too. And try to avoid any stimulation. So stimulation in the form of stress related to maybe discussions that are heated or any type of a stress related activity. Even, dare I say, computer and phone time. One hour before bed, let those things settle if you can and refrain from using the computer and your phone. And if you can follow a type of preparation routine, you should find that you're getting better quality sleep. When we give the body adequate rest after the day's activities, we are healthier, of course. We have more vitality and exuberance, and we can mentally stay alert and focused and peaceful during the day. So those are the pillars. Let's review. Our inputs, things that we bring into our bodies, is number one. Number two is the impacts, how we manage our actions. And the third pillar is our immersion, how we rest and sleep. These are the routines and practices that help to support our health and the health of those around us. They're aptly labeled as pillars because they're crucial to keeping our structure upright. And like support beams and posts of a building, they allow all of our parts and elements to stay organized and keep the inner spaces functioning successfully so that our spirit can thrive in its ideal dwelling place. Another concept that helps to identify our pillars are the layers of the body which Ayurveda calls koshas, K-O-S-H-A-S in Sanskrit. These layers move from gross outside us, like the outer layer, to subtle or more inward layers. And all together, they make up the entire body. There are five layers, according to yoga and Ayurveda, that make up the general composition of our bodies. They are the anatomy, the breath, the mind, the intellect, and spiritual layers. So let's take these one by one and we'll start with the first layer or kosha, which is the anamaya kosha or the food layer. And this is the layer of our basic anatomy or structure. So you can easily visualize that as the outer layer. It's our physical existence. This layer is where the five sense organs live also. And as the first outer layer, it metabolizes the earth element. Some examples that feed this layer are, of course, the food and water we take in but also exercise, 
like asana practice, which is our yoga poses, things that we do for our bodies. The next layer is the prana maya kosha. And this is the vital air or breath layer. It addresses our physiology or the systems of the body. And at this layer, the five winds, because it's the breath layer, exist, which are winds that direct the actions within our bodies. These are our prana winds, which are not to be confused with the main life force, but this is a specific wind direction within our, our bodies. And this is connected to the nervous system, the prana wind layer or the wind action, sorry. And then the Uddiyana action is connected to the respiratory system. And the Samana wind is connected to our digestive system. And the Vyana wind is connected to our circulatory system. And the Apana wind is connected to our elimination. So these winds move in ways that connect more directly with the systems within our body. Remember, it's connected to the physiology. This second prana, mayakosha, metabolizes the water element. And the best practices for maintaining health at this vital air layer is, of course, pranayama, or breathing practices, which we will explore in coming episodes. The third layer is the mano maya kosha, which is the mental or emotional layer. This third more inner layer is where a continuous flow of emotions occurs. And it metabolizes our fire element because it's transforming and converting. The ideal way to satisfy this mental layer is yoga, but yoga in its entire system. All eight limbs should be practiced to decrease the stress and balance our emotions. Since I mentioned the eight limbs of yoga, if you're interested in learning about the system of yoga in its entirety, I'll leave a link for the book I wrote in 2019 called Yoga Posts, Building a Steady Yoga Practice One Week at a Time. And I'll leave that link in the show notes because in it, I present each limb of yoga so that you can take it week by week to learn and digest. So to recap, these first three layers, the physical body, the breath, and the mind are where the first pillar called ahara, or the inputs I talked about earlier, exist. The inputs, food, water, breath, senses and emotions are developed in the first three layers. Our true actions or the impact we make, which is our second pillar, is related to our wisdom layer or our vijnanamaya kosha. This is the layer that dictates how we use our senses and manage our energy. It's how we discriminate, stabilize and direct the mind. The wisdom layer metabolizes our air element. And some good ways to balance this layer include focus and stabilizing practices such as sense withdrawal and 
concentration modalities. So these are precursors to meditation techniques. And sleep or immersion that we talked about, our third pillar, is connected to the final layer, which is known as the bliss layer or the anandamaya kosha. When we sleep, we withdraw from our mind, and that brings us to a state of bliss, normally, or can. The bliss layer is metabolized by our space element, and the health of this layer is established and maintained through the practice of meditation. So those are the five layers that create our system. And they are responsible for housing the three foundational supports or pillars. The pillars that shape us and are responsible for our health and well-being. Thanks for tuning in today. And if you're enjoying this podcast, please rate me. And be sure to share an episode or two with your friends, family, so that the wisdom of Ayurveda can expand and benefit us all. Until next time. Be well.